0: clark and welcome to the latest edition of the track brooklyn's museum has opened its inside exhibit areas once again tim morris called in on the first day of opening and talking to the visitors and volunteers as they enjoyed all the facilities of the museum once again on march 23rd we marked the 100th birthday of land and water speed ace donald campbell with a special event featuring Donald's daughter, Gina, and his nephew, Don Wells. Harry Sherrod spoke to them about his extraordinary achievements
1: and what he was like
2: as a person. Could you please summarise for us what his, uh, his main achievements were?
1: He, he had a very fast car that happened to be blue, uh, and he also had a very fast boat um, that happened to be blue. Is that going to do? That... I,
2: was, I, was ho- I was hoping for <laughs> a wee bit more than that.
1: Okay, as a kid, that's all I would have said, because I didn't fully understand, but we'll come on to that later. I mean, Donald's career, um, to summarise it, really is quite difficult because he achieved so much. But he didn't break his his first record until 1955, having spent the best part of six years trying to, to, to break the record, trying to defend what was his father's record originally and then taken by the Americans. Um, but he was the first person to get a, a boat successfully over 200 miles an hour on, on at uh, 202 in 1955. Uh, he was invited to uh, America to, to go quicker, which he did on Lake Mead and achieved something like 216 miles an hour. Uh, the boat did sink on that occasion, which I think is quite important to know for, for later on. Uh, he then, uh, returned to the Lake District and did four records on Coniston, taking the record from um, 225, 239, 248, looking at my notes, and 260. Each year, he increased it by about 10 miles an hour. And he was very clever to just increase it within the capabilities of the boat, um, not only technically to keep it at that sort of speed, but also to um, reap the reward of 5,000 pounds put up by Billy Butlin. So that was Donald's sort of income. Um, it was a little scheme that he and Billy Butlin put together. Um,
2: so and, so he, he then, having achieved that on the water speed record, he then went on to build in his, his, his land, land speed record That's car right, having, having
1: got those records, he then went on to um, commission the Bluebird car, CM7, and took that to Bonneville in 1960, had a massive crash, which he yes. survived, 360 odd miles an hour. Um, and uh, that was the uh, precursor to me being born, apparently. Just to let you know, that. <laughs> my mum went into shock <laughs> and I was born <laughs> prematurely, which might explain quite a lot. Um, and then uh, Donald r- took the car, r- a restored, repaired car, rebuilt with a tail fin and stronger cockpit to Australia and got the land speed record in 1964. Again, thwarted with difficulties, which we'll probably explore later. Very brave, courageous effort. He then had the boat um, brought out to America, to Australia as well. And um, on New Year's Eve, right at the close of the year, achieved his seventh water speed record of 276, therefore completing his famous double record and being the only person to have done that, and probably the only person ever who ever will. achieve both records in the same year um, then uh, he wanted to uh, show the world that a supersonic car was uh, a possibility because of that he then uh, wanted to get more publicity and announce he was going up to Coniston in November 66 and um, obviously the tragedy happened on January the 4th 67 trying to beat his own record and be the first person to achieve 300 uh, on water
2: Sure. But um, un- unlike his father, Sir Malcolm, who is well as uh, breaking records, he was a prolific racer, of course, at Brooklyn's between the wars. And uh, Donald, Donald didn't race cars anywhere else. I mean, he did some powerboat racing, but primarily concentrated on the record breaking side of things.
1: Yes, he, he had no experience at all. Um, initially, he just thought it would be a good thing to defend his dad's water speed record back in 1948, 49 with his dad's old boat. But he had no previous experience at all, apart from witnessing record attempts by his dad.
2: Thanks for that, Don. So Gina, I'm going to just bring you in now. Your father certainly was an extraordinary man and he achieved a great deal. And there must have been some very powerful motivators to keep him going, despite the dangers and the difficulties. But I think emulating or even exceeding his father's achievements was a big, big driver for him.
3: Um, I don't think that's... unusual do you if you are the son of such a a famous man as Sir Malcolm Campbell you know the expectation on your own shoulders just comes with the territory and how many sons don't want to be as good as if not better than their own father particularly when it's so in the public eye and everybody puts this huge amount of well if you're Malcolm Campbell's son what are you going to to do, You have to emulate your father. And you see it in, in other walks of life. You could take David Beckham's sons. They are going to be expected to be the best footballers in the world, aren't they? But the chances are they won't be. But my father had this dogged determination. It was a fixation with it. The bad luck that my father encountered, it just didn't seem fair. It was as if he was a great believer in the supernatural. It was as if his own father was looking down and saying, you know, don't think that it record-breaking comes easy, old boy. You know, you're going to have to put your back and your heart and your soul into this, and you're going to have to prove yourself. And, you know, through all that adversity, that's Donald talked about the courage and the perseverance, and that is the most extraordinary part of it. it he was amazing. You know, he did not let himself fall at the first hurdle in any way, shape or form. And um, my respect for him just mounts every time I even think about what he achieved. It really is. And, you know, hearing Donald talk about my father, you know, it's it's almost a bit surreal. But he got it in a nutshell. He was an extremely courageous man. Don't tell me there isn't anybody that will admit to having an enormous amount of nerves you can sit in the cockpit have that closed down over you all you can see is this little tiny thing and you're totally isolated from everybody else and yet you know that what you have said you're going to do you've got to go out and you've got to do it nobody else is going to do it for you yes you've got a great team behind you that are doing the mechanics but when it comes down to the nuts and bolts of it it's only down to number one and this was my father tremendous tenacity and he would not, he was like a dog with a bone, he would not let it go.
2: Um, Gina, we, we talked about living up to his father and so forth, but another strong motivator was his patriotism. He was absolutely extraordinarily patriotic, and he wanted all his deeds and achievements to uh, promote Britain and, uh, and, and a British, uh, British products around, around the world, including all, all the technology and the land speed record would, would help British products in that way. Was that something which was clear to you at the time?
3: Oh, enormous. I mean, don't forget, when he started out on record breaking, we were coming out of the Second World War. So it was really important to promote British engineering, British productivity, what we could achieve as a nation. And he was fiercely patriotic. Uh, I swear he would wear Union union Jack underpants. You know, it was um, I think he sort of had this bulldog spirit, the Winston Churchill um, that we are the best. And we are, you know, we forget that. We don't let ourselves as a nation um, promote ourselves, in my opinion, in our engineering feats and our abilities. We don't promote ourselves enough. We do produce the best. We we can do it. And he he knew that and he fought for that all the way through. And everything on the car was British. He used to grumble sometimes and say, "If I had the American backing, I could do this and do that and the other." But he wouldn't even go there, even though it was offered to him.
2: No, um, so, so, Sir Malcolm, of course, he was knighted in 1931 uh, for his record-breaking achievements in his racing. Do, 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 Donald did receive the uh, the CBE in 1956, which is the the second highest award. But he ne- he never got a knighthood, and I think that no. was a, kind of a, a lifelong <laughs> disappointment for him. It, it was. Um, it, it, it really was. I mean, you know, you,
3: you set yourself goals in life and um, in those days, uh, please don't let me undermine people who have knighthoods today, but in those days, it really took something to get a knighthood. And, you know, well, later in his life, I certainly feel it was terribly bad that um, that he didn't get his knighthood. And it did play on him. It did play on him. And it's you know, it's not about vanity or anything else. It's just recognizing what you've done and what you've achieved and why you've done it and why you've gone out to achieve it. It wasn't for a personal glory. It was to keep Britain up there, to keep us as a nation. And my goodness, if anyone did his bit, my dad certainly did his bit.
2: One of the things that he was also quite famous for, I mean, he, he was quite superstitious. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about some of his uh, superstitions when he was doing his record breaking and more generally as well?
3: Well, how about this for a superstition? Um, he wouldn't go in Bluebird without his little trusty mascot, Miss, Mr. Mr. Woppet. Woppet. Yes. Yeah. Um, and, you know, here he is, the, the, the real deal. He had strange um, superstitions and weren't all the obvious ones, but he had a loathing for the colour green. And and it sounds so strange. British Racing Green was so synonymous with our Formula One cars in those days. But, um, I mean, I heard this wonderful story. A guy wanted a job with him. His name was Evan Green, Welshman, obviously. And he said, I'll give you a job. But, Evan, you're going to have to change your name. And believe it or not, he did. He changed it to Evan Turquoise. Now, is, is that is that? daft or is that but i mean it's quite extraordinary he had we never had anything greener house we weren't allowed to wear green it was just something he had about the color green um uh, and other superstitions he had a little um little doll thing he used to rub its belly and um, from tahiti and so he had these little little and you never wished him good luck because that in itself was bad luck
2: so I mean taking things on another level he, he actually felt at, at times and I think you mentioned it earlier that his father was almost like like, like communicating and commu- communicating with him and he felt he saw him once in, in the cockpit after a record run or just before a record run I think it was.
3: Um, I believe it was um, as he turned around at Lake Eyre um, on that last Landspeed record that was it? Yeah. But, um, you know he's sitting there you can imagine where the pit of your stomach is it's somewhere down near your knees um, knowing that you have got To do that return run and knowing the conditions you're going to face and all the hazards and the risks and everything. And, you know, when you, you know yourself, when you want something so badly, it can become elusive. It can become even more hard to attain. And you can imagine sitting there in this little tiny bubble of a cockpit and he swears that his dad looked down on him and said, don't worry, old boy, everything's going to be all right. It it was. And yes, he achieved his record. But with a bittersweet, as Donald mentioned, the car never attained the speeds it was. And, you know, he only shoved it up a, a few miles an hour. It was never quite enough in his own mind. He hadn't jumped it forward into 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 much bigger figures.
2: But look, he got his record. Gina, we've, we, we've been talking about uh, Donald Campbell, the, the, the record breaker. What, what about um, Donald Campbell as, as, as a father? Um, I, I, re- I read in one book that he was a little bit old school there as well. And at, at age 17, he was still telling you when to go to bed and didn't allow you to wear makeup. Which I, I don't think I would work with 17-year-old girls these days.
3: I, th- I think there would be a rebellion, don't you? I think they'd all go out on protest. Um, to a large part of my life with my dad, you have to accept that he was a single dad by today's standards. You know, um, I was with my dad from from a very... My parents were, were separate, divorced when I was very young. Mm. And I went to live with my dad. as pretty well a single dad um, at the age of four or five years old. And yes, he remarried and had a lovely stepmother. But how does a stepmother bring up a child when it's not theirs? So, you know, she was probably not strong enough, I'm going to say, to invoke the way she thought I should be brought up. So it was really the way my father thought I should be brought up, which was probably the same way as he was brought up as Donald know, Donald and, and his mother. They were brought up in quite a, I'm going to call it Victorian. It doesn't sound like, you know, we had to scrub the floors, but it was very strict, very correct, Little girls should should be seen and not heard, and you don't speak unless you're spoken to. And he was a stickler for certain things. I mean, don't tell lies um, and get caught out, because, oh, my God, that was something he would not tolerate. Um, But then there was the soft side to him. You know, more when we were away from home, if we went away on holiday, my father suddenly became a, a, a different person and probably away from the pressures of, of, you know, what he was trying to achieve at home and, and all the paraphernalia that goes with record-breaking. And, you know, we used to go skiing. We used to go, sounds awfully flash, doesn't We used to go to the south of France and um, charter a boat. Or even one year, he bought a boat, and we spent quite a few months in the summer restoring this boat, and we were varnishing decks and varnishing this and rubbing down that. And we did it as a family with Tonya. And he, at the end of the holiday, he sold the boat and made, made, made a profit. Um, but we had a lot of fun as a family doing that. But back at home, it, my father's office was in the house. And he had a secretary that would come each morning, 8, 30, 9 o'clock. And so you didn't see him. He was busy in his office with, I don't know, what do men do in their offices? And um, so... You'd see him at meal times, and if I didn't eat correctly, if I wasn't exactly my table manners weren't quite up to etiquette, you know, he, he would pull me up for it. But, you know, I look back at my childhood and I wouldn't swap it with one other person in the world. I think I had the most amazing time. How many 14-year-olds go to Australia? How many, well, even younger in, uh, what, 56, 57, Donald Canandaigua. You know, I went and spent six months in the United States. I went to school there. I lived at the house of the governor of the state. I went horse riding. I went to school. I went to the YMCA. Oh, you know, and and, and Bluebird Park in Canandaigua, There were Coca-Cola machines that you put a dime in, you know, and you got a bottle of Coke out. Well, I'd follow the guy around every morning and say, Oh, I put a dime in there yesterday and nothing came out, so he'd give me a bottle. And we go to the next oh I said I had the same problem with this machine as well. <laughs> I mean, I look back and I think, My God, I had a charmed life. What a lucky, lucky little girl I was.
4: Well, the
5: so much That's what really we always did it I'll drive
2: it under the truck. That is what I'm I'm over alive, yeah. I can't see
4: anything. I'm
5: Right there she rises through the water, as she lifts herself up high. No one knows the strength inside, all the tears in his eyes. Forced to drive on with his passion. And with the bluebird on his mind They lower the boat into the water He turns and waves his goodbyes This is for his country This green and pleasant land To preserve Such a man of courage. To preserve the world's speed.
0: Um, of songs that she has written uh, inspired by Donald Campbell and we hope to catch up with Sophia in the next episode of The Track And now we head back to Brooklyn's Museum uh, where I caught up with some volunteers and visitors on the first day that the museum fully opened uh, the indoor uh, exhibit areas Hello, is this your, your first visit to Brooklands? This is our first visit, yes. yes. And what do you think of it so far?
4: I think it's absolutely fabulous. I really do mean that, genuinely. I mean, we've travelled up from Cornwall we're, um, for a few days and we thought we'd take in Brooklands um, because it's something we wanted to do and there was no particular um, target to go and see something particular but what's on the show is really interesting and fantastic and it's lovely to see stuff so beautifully restored and kept
0: and today is actually the first day that you've been able to go inside the, the, sh- the museum sheds and uh, exhibits so you've come on the right day absolutely we planned it <laughs> okay we're inside one of the the buildings now in the uh, the wellington hangar um, first time we've been in here for uh, quite a long time now um yeah so this is the first day back in production as it were so have you missed uh, coming to work here
1: Yes, certainly have. Um, it's uh, It's been a long time. I I haven't been here for a year, so uh, it's really nice to come back, see some of the old faces who are, who are here. Um, the exhibit's obviously quite different. Unfortunately, we don't have the interactive element of it that we normally have, but I think we've got a nice, uh, way, nice uh, route round and a lot of things for people to see, and uh, so far customers seem to be uh, enjoying it. Well we've seen quite a lot of people here with young children, I think they're just glad to be out and doing something, uh, doing something uh, different. Okay we've come into the
0: the bus Museum, which is on the Brookmans Museum site, Um, is the the museum actually open at the moment?
1: No, we're still doing our refurbishments, it will be open finally on the 27th of June when we have our grand uh, reopening day
0: i'm actually standing inside the museum at the moment so we can see there's still a a fair bit of work i guess to go on
1: yes uh, we're getting there we're putting a roadway down to show where the buses would run going from one door to the other and we're moving the exhibits around still into their final positions so it's uh, still stuff going on but we're getting there
0: okay despite the museum uh, being closed uh, one of the great things particularly for my my grandchildren is is the bus rides here Uh, are they still going ahead
1: yes we're still running bus rides every day that Brooklands is open Um, we're doing a ride every hour at the moment because of uh, social distancing and the need to clean the buses between runs
0: I'm just walking up uh, past the Concorde now I'm wondering if the aircraft are open
6: Uh, we have uh, three I believe that are partly open today the Concorde is only for a walk through unfortunately not the normal 35 minute tour but it does give people an insight to it and and it's really great to be back i was last here in february this year and it's my first day back i'm such in love with this beautiful aeroplane
0: yeah it's a shame it's been closed really for so long but it's it's brilliant to come in today and see all the the buildings open and uh, i was a little surprised to find the aircraft open too
6: (laughs) yes um, we had the notification two weeks ago that May the 19th will be the day and we were all looking forward to coming down this morning and meeting a lot of old friends that we'd not seen and it's just great to be back on her. I've been with her now over 16 years. I've been on Concorde and uh, I still love her. My wife gets annoyed if I mention the word Concorde at home because (laughs) everywhere in the house is just full of it.
0: (laughs) Have you been watching The Secrets of the Transport Museum?
6: Yes, in actual fact. I actually got up at six o'clock this morning to watch last night's one so I could see it and get myself ready to come down here this morning. And what do you think of the show? I think it's very good. I, I've actually learned more off of that, to be honest with you, uh, especially last night when we had the thing about the uh, handicapped people learning to drive cars here and other things around the museum. You never stop learning in this, in this lovely museum
0: we have been wandering around the museum and we've uh, bumped into uh, mike bannister I'll try and grab a few words here
4: hi mike hi good morning oh it's great to see the museum open again and see so many members of the public here are beginning to enjoy themselves especially on a, a wednesday that's not a school holiday it's great to see so many people here and bringing the pace back to life yeah it's lovely to see uh, particularly the the indoor sheds open again i
0: think that's going to make the world a difference now
4: Well when we weren't able to open indoor and I was here I could see people looking in through the doors and you could hear them saying that looks fantastic I'm going to come back when I can go in and explore and hopefully a fair number of those will come back and they certainly look there are new people here today have never been here before so it's great both for the visitors and for the volunteers of course because that's what they really love being able to get in amongst the exhibits. That's brilliant
0: and uh, the museum is open but um, not fully I don't think yet.
4: Not fully but hopefully we're well we are Optimistic. Hopefully from June the 21st we can be fully open with no restrictions. That's what we planned because that's all we can plan for. If the government changes the restrictions, of course, we'll follow any advice and regulations. But let's think positive and, and look forward. But this is a great step forward to getting back to normal.
0: Brooklyn's News. The Brooklyn's Museum is now open uh, Wednesday to Sunday. Um, There are still some restrictions on numbers, and you do need to book online at brooklandsmuseum.com. Secrets of the Transport Museum, uh, which is broadcast on the Yesterday channel, is just about to finish its run of 10 episodes. Uh, But don't worry, because you can catch up on UKTV Play, where all the episodes are now available. The Brooklands Members online events are uh, still continuing. We have uh, a webinar with the racing driver Derek Bell on the 10th of June. And then we hope to have a live event on the 24th of June uh, featuring uh, motorcyclists Steve Parrish and Maria Costello. Uh, You can find all the details about those events at brooklandsmembers.co.uk. And there are some uh, more live events uh, at the museum itself. On the 5th of June, the Farmer and District Motor Club are uh, holding an auto solo. Uh, On the 12th of June, you'll find uh, the MG Car Club and Waterloo Classics with uh, some static displays of cars. And then uh, we have the half-term activities, uh, which take place from the 29th of May to the 6th of June including workshops for the youngsters uh, called Ready to Race. Find all the details at Brooklandsmuseum.com